All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today, back in the barn with Kelly in the podcast closet. We're coming to you from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Portland, Oregon. Kelly, how's it going today out there on the West Coast? Uh, it's good. It's very sunny. It's very sunny here, which is strange. My plants keep drying out. I saw your oh, weather. God, that reminds me. Yeah. We need to water them. Shit. Anyway, how are you? How's South Dakota? You're basically, you're basically now the... Um, you know, we talk about sun on the window as the song. We haven't listened to it yet in this podcast, but it sort of represents something. You you now have that, Kelly. You've got the house. You've got the garden. You've got the dogs. <laughs> yep. I mean, you are really, really stepping into this, uh, you know, the ideals of this podcast, which I definitely appreciate. Well, well, what's that other one where he's like watched a rabbit run down the road or something? New Morning. That new one, Morning. Yeah. All of New Morning, basically. Yeah, it's <laughs> just that's that's our jam. I mean, New Morning is a great record. It's definitely a, a change record and that's what we're doing here. Yeah, everything is good here in South Dakota. It's uh, still a little uh, cold, but uh yeah, we have cloudy weather. You've got sun. I mean, everything's inverted in 2021. So but we are not here to talk about the weather, I don't Thank think, unless God. you just want to change the whole concept uh of the podcast. No, in fact, this is not a weather podcast. That would be weird. I don't know. Well, I'm sure that there are weather podcasts. Or it could be like the Night Vale version of the weather because we're talking about music. Oh. Or the Night Vale weather. And podcast. we could just play the song and just leave. Yeah, that's true. Night Vale. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good callback. <laughs> uh, no, this is a podcast about Bob Dylan. We uh, listen to a random Bob Dylan song every every episode and we pick a new one at the end of every week, at the end of every episode, uh, randomly that we listen to and we make a public playlist and we get together at the end to talk about it and discuss it in all of its glory. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the American Whaleback Barge in service between 1893 and 1902 when it sank in Lake Superior, loaded with iron ore. All of the crew were rescued, but the wreckage has never been found. But this week, we listen to I'm Not There. Parentheses, 1956, for the basement tapes. All right, Kelly, we spent the entire week listening to 1967's I'm Not There. Now, we have a little bit of reference of this song. We, back in 2017, in the first year of this podcast, we listened to, well, we didn't listen to it, but we watched a movie called I'm Not There. We did. 2007 with, uh, you know, uh, Kate Blanchett and uh, all of our friends, Heath Ledger, you know, you know, all, all the crew. Uh I want to ask you, obviously, what did you think of this song? But also, did you think about the movie at all when you were, you know, listening to this? Did that? Did you? Did you remember that? Obviously, you remember the name of the movie and all of that. But did that click for you? No. Yeah. If you if you hadn't told me that it was in that movie, I wouldn't have remembered that it was. Is it the Sonic Youth version that's in the movie? No, his is in. Oh, his is in like the movie. plays during the credits. Uh, no, I actually I think it's I think it's when um uh dude uh, the pretty woman guy um gear. Got on, a, got on his horse. I think we're doing a montage at the end with everyone, and they're playing that song. If I, if my memory serves me well, um, that that's when okay. it is. But it's definitely his version is in that movie for sure. 
Bob's version. Okay. The Sonic one, Sonic Youth yeah. one, like a lot of them, are just on the soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember it, and it doesn't make like conjure any. I don't know. Maybe this song is totally nonsensical. It, I didn't love it, so I, it doesn't really evoke anything for me, other than drunk people doing karaoke. Honestly, it's like he was trying to sing a song mm. that existed but failing miserably at it. That's kind of the vibe I got from it. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, no. Before I get into my own thoughts, uh, let's do a little context, Kelly. Um, I think this one, this episode, is going to surprise you. Maybe I don't know. Um, this song is perhaps one of Bob Dylan's most famous unfinished songs. Probably like the unfinished song. Obviously, listening to the lyrics, there are no words. I mean, there are words. Obviously, that's what lyrics are. But it's incredibly nonsensical. You go to bobdylan.com, There are no lyrics. Right? You have to. I know. I went there, and I was like. Hmm. Okay. You, wow. Yeah, they got it on there. Nothing's there. You have to hunt down this stuff yourself, or there's tons of transcriptions. We'll get into this in a little bit. Um, I would say that the only sort of unfinished other song that we've had is She's Your Lover Now from last year, episode 103, um, in that. Mm-hmm. But with that one, it's a little different, too, because we have so many outtakes that it kind of becomes a full song, right? We have 15 different versions that we can piece together in our brains. This one is genuinely it. There is no other takes that we have. No other Garth did not press record on another take of this. If they did one and he never played it live, never talked about it, never touched it. Nothing. Um, he almost didn't press record on this version. Mofo. He started like partway through the song. And that's what we'll get to as well. This song, Kelly might surprise you, but this is considered by a lot of people to be a masterpiece. This song is considered one of Bob Dylan's finest songs. Um, I think that opinion stands because of what you just said, which I think the hype surrounding it is almost weird for definitely for you to hear right now. But it was even weird for me to hear as a young Bob Dylan fan in the early 2000s, too, because this this was a song that I heard about in lore before I got into my own bootleg journey. And I think that that hype is something that makes this song larger than life. And I think that's why Todd Haynes chose it to be the name of the of the um of the movie because this song mm. just meant so much to people because it was incredibly hard to find and the take that you originally heard back in the day was just garbage. I mean it was really hard to listen to. And so when when you heard that clean version for the first time on the movie or on the soundtrack, it was a revelation and it really I mean compared to what you had to, to listen to back in the day, it is incredible that a Bob Dylan fan today can listen to at least a version of this that's real. And I think that hype is one thing that keeps this song in people's minds when they think about the top Dylan. But I also think that that in media rest thing, starting in the middle, like hitting record, either Bob Dylan fucked up the, you know, countdown to play in, which is probably what happened. Or Garth was a little slow on the record. It makes you, it makes your imagination roam, right? You're like, what else could have happened? What else could have been going on? And I think that alone is, is probably why people take to this song and I'll have a couple other reasons as we get into it, but who's on this tape right here. Uh, Sid Griffin, who wrote the book on the basement tapes. Um, we don't actually know exactly who's on there, but it looks like based on his research, we've got Bob Dylan on acoustic. Rick Danko is playing the bass. Richard uh, Manuel is playing the piano and Garth Hudson international treasure. Garth Hudson is amazing on this. And uh, apparently Robbie Robertson is not on here at all. And, and um, uh, Levon Helm is not here yet. So he is not playing on this as well. Um, There was a box tape, you know, obviously when they finished the basement tapes on the tape box, it was called I'm Not There, I'm Gone Um, on the safety reel that was made of a bunch of songs that they hoped to sort of shop around. This was on there and it was called Hmm. But It's Not Here. So the I'm Not Here was something that was totally made up. And then in 1970, it was registered copyright under the title I'm Not There, parentheses, 1956. And that's how I came to understand that song 
for years and years. And when I first started listening to bootlegs, it was titled as that on the handwritten notations and stuff. So I always assumed with all the other covers that this was just a cover, like that this was just a song that, but I knew it wasn't right. So, but, but I thought it might've been a reworking of a song. I didn't quite know, but we're going to get into that in a little bit, but I do want to shout out Jim Dunbar and Randall poster. These are the music supervisors on the movie. I'm not there. Um, as I've been saying, a lot of people back then heard a really bad version of the song and they were able to clean this song up in such a way to make it sound incredible. The state of I'm Not There, how bad it sounded back in the day, was probably one of the reasons that Bob Dylan never cared about the song. Um, when somebody asked him in the 80s why, because people knew about the song, but no one had really heard it, why isn't this song on Biograph on any of the bootleg series? Um, his only reply was, it wasn't there. Oh, jeez. So how did this happen? The, the answer basically is Neil Young. Neil Young is the answer as to why this song sounds as good as it does, why it's on a movie soundtrack, why it, it, it is now taken on a new life of its own. Back in the day when they were finishing the basement tapes, uh, Neil Young's longtime engineer, Elliot Mauser, was tasked with taking these tapes to storage. So what did he do? He immediately made a copy for himself. <laughs> Years later, he made a copy for Neil just for the hell of it. And instead of giving him the copy of that copy, he gave him the original. So not the original, but the, first, but the first recording. And as we've talked about before, every time you record something analog-like, you're losing a little of that fidelity every time. So Neil Young's got the closest to the original at this point. He doesn't know that he has that. He pops that in the archive. It's not found for decades. So we've been having this degraded quality of I'm not there on whatever bootleg you had back in the day. I got mine from Dad CDs in Wise, Virginia. A Tree with Roots or whatever it was called that you listened to back in the early 2000s or earlier. It was horrible. It just sounded really bad. Turns out that Neil found out that I have this incredibly pristine copy and he went about, you know, making people know that he has it. So I think it was like kismet, really, that Todd Haynes was right was writing a movie around the time that this incredible version of this song was found, because I just can't imagine naming this movie after a song that genuinely sounds like King of France. Yeah. I mean, you remember episode eight, oh, yeah. King of France. That's the quality that forever we were listening to. It was, and it made it interesting. Like King of France is interesting because it sounds like there's something there and you just don't know, right? Maybe you just, it's garbled what he's saying, but obviously it's something great. And now we know for sure that it was all just gibberish, right? For the most part, it is on number 73 of Rolling Stones. 2015 list of the 100 best Dylan songs. They call it, quote, absolutely haunting. And obviously, Bob Dylan has never played it live. Uh, I mean, Kelly, I'm really we glad listen, to, to hear yeah. all that context because I don't understand on the face of it, just listening to the song, why otherwise anybody would care. Because it is, it feels like an unfinished song and it, it's really just the mystery and that makes a lot more sense. But it's, it's fun. Why not King of France? That's my answer officially. Why not King of France? Where's the love? With your lyrics. <laughs> That's what's up. So we listen to two versions of this. I mean, I do want to talk about each one of them. Sonic Youth, obviously, from the I'm Not There soundtrack. And uh, the one, obviously, on the Bootleg Series Volume 11 on the I'm Not There soundtrack and on in a bad quality on whatever bootleg CD you've got laying around you right now, listener, that you can go back and, and revisit. Um, obviously, of those two, then, I would assume you probably like the Sonic Youth better then. I don't know. Sonic Youth, I'm not a big Sonic Youth fan, which, like, 
they kind of fall in that camp for me like Prince does and sometimes some Bowie stuff where it's like, I respect what you're doing. I appreciate what you did for music and like your whole art scene, but it's just not for me really. Like, right. Uh, right. you know, like it's Kim Gordon, right? I It's weird to hear a song there since I know so I know so few of their songs for her to not be singing on it. I was like, oh, because I, in my limited knowledge, I'm like, she's the one that sings all the time. Where's, where's Kim Gordon? I don't understand. Well, this is like our Jefferson airplane problem where I only think about, yeah, the ones with the guy and for you, it's the girl. Oh yeah. Well, what yeah the hell? It's it's funny that a band can be like, really just swap, swap the two. But, um, I did like it. I would say as much as the other one, I really appreciated the distort on the, um, the bass. Oh my God. What a cool sound. Cause it sounds like the amp is breaking. It sounds like you're using an old tube amp and the things like, overdriving to hell and back so it's like burr, burr, very very cool so uh i mean i like yeah I, I would say i like it as much as i like the bob dylan version which is not a bunch. <laughs> did you 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 like um you know obviously we listen try to listen on our headphones and all of that um that was pretty good for me you know again this is a song i don't visit a lot because i've got my own sort of feelings about it and i and i know how important it is and all that yada yada but my version that i listened to was always so bad that i just never think about it listening to this though like really listening with your headphones it was great i mean garth is getting it like that that organ that goes throughout is it's incredible. really and subtle though it's hard to hear it is it is and i love like at the end of the song we all of a sudden manuel who you kind of don't even know is plinking away <clears throat> all of a sudden hey i'm here for like two lines and you really hear that piano and then it just sort of fades away again and i like it because you know it's a great bob dylan song that's just like here is a very simple premise and then i'm going to essentially write a song on top of it which a lot of our songs that we talk about are very much like that but in this case bob dylan declined to write a song quote unquote um he just kind of said stuff i just thought about this kind of before we started recording and i should have put it on the playlist but i guess we still can because nothing has happened yet uh it reminds me a lot of yellow lead better which is a beautiful pearl jam song but it didn't really have words eddie vetter was just kind of singing nonsense because it sounded right. good with the music and then later wrote lyrics to it he's like yeah these are the lyrics i guess but it's just because people demanded that i write them down when it was really just the spur of the moment thing and i was just riffing off of the music it totally makes me feel like that okay yeah, that makes total sense yeah i mean like uh i laugh at, at dylan chords called this dylan's most musical italics on musical musical sound <laughs> uh paul williams said that this is a quote performance complete and feeling I think that 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 sums up a lot of what I feel. It's like, I you know, what's going on here with like the lyrics and all that kind of stuff is is I'm glad that Dylan did not capitulate and never gave any sort of lyrics. It's never been in any of his written collections. It's not on BobDylan.com. He just let it kind of go and let the performance speak for itself. And I think that that's pretty great. And that sort of is is kind of unique in the Dylan catalog, you know, to have something like this. I mean, the basement tapes can get pretty nonsensical as we've learned from Clothesline Saga and a lot of songs that just kind of are, are strange, but they're not, the cadences aren't completely off. They're not just like putting in extra verbs and adverbs when they shouldn't be like, this song is like really completely ad-libbed almost. I mean, it feels like there's a few really great lines and some people think that he, he did this just off the cuff, like yeah. a freestyle and and i just don't i don't think i buy that i don't think that i think there's a little too much in here that's a little too good that i don't think you can just think of off the dome and keep like a really good time on your uh you know five five verses i don't know how you break the song down but you know essentially you can break this down to about five verses i think it would be quite hard to just freestyle 
a song, but I mean, Bob Dylan's a professional. What do you think? Do you think that he wrote this down or maybe not write it down, but like had a couple lines and he just filled in some things or did he just off the dome do it? I think that it seems more likely that he had a few lines rolling around that he's like, I haven't put these in a song anywhere, but they're just always something that comes back to him. So he would just, you know, throw that out and then riff off of that. That would make sense to me. But yeah, as far as coming up with uh, the whole thing, uh, I don't know, maybe. I mean, people do it. I mean, right. I I know. And I think that's where we sort of butt against our thing on this podcast that we don't like, which is Bob Dylan is a philosopher king and he is perfect and he can do all this (laughs) stuff. And I think inherently when I when I think about stuff like that, I want to push back because I just don't think that's real. And I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, going down. But I also I want to I want to shout out his voice. I mean, there are moments in here that I love the basement tapes and I love this era of Bob Dylan as well, where we're post sixties and he's sort of enunciating in a very particular way, but there's some nice like vocal stuff that are very like his vocals do a lot here to make the song very longing and very aching. And he does stuff that like, you know, I believe where she's stopping. If she wants, if she wants time to care, I believe she'd look upon deciding to care. Like there, there are moments where he like really lingers on the words. And I think that, I think that's why, you know, you know, Dylan Courts can call this like the most musical song. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you don't have a clear, concise idea of the lyrics that you want to say, you're less focused on what you're saying and more how it sounds, right? And I mean, you can convey a lot through tone. I mean, literally tone. Um, the way that the pitch their voice is reaching will make somebody feel happy or sad, or just because that's how our little brains work. We like minor chords, and or minor chords make us sad, major chords make us happy. So it's like when you're playing with that tone in your voice, yeah, you put a lot across, even when you're saying bullshit nonsense. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Well, and, and this song would be minor tones, right? I mean, this is a very plaintive song. Well, funny you ask. This song is in the key of B major. Quick, uh, terrible version of the song because yeah maybe we had some amount of undisclosed time to do this but i surely didn't practice it until <laughs> yesterday five minutes before so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's in the key of b major which is a uh, standard open tuning with a capo on the fourth fret and we're just okay. doing g f a minor and c and e minor are the only chords uh which by the way i fucking hate the turnaround from the during like the chorus part if you will you know the second of the verse yeah. parts um where it goes from E to F, it just sounds really terrible. It doesn't sound natural. Um, and I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. And then he does this little embellishment on the, So G, yeah, right? And then he does a little embellishment. With... the words because they're not real and then we go to C which also makes me think of that Sixpence and on the Richer song uh, what is that because I think that's how it starts uh, I can't remember how to play it but you know the one the one the one the only one they had where she's like, kiss me. That's right, yeah. I can't remember how to play it. Anyway, sorry, Bob Dylan. Yes. <laughs> Here 
here's where it's gross. offensive when you're just playing the guitar i don't know something about his tone of voice when that part's yeah. happening and the transition to the chords i just don't love it i wasn't expecting it, it doesn't sure. seem like it should go there but i guess like if you're trying to achieve some kind of uh friction you know if you're trying yeah. to achieve some kind of um there's a word that i'm looking for that i can't remember uh atonalness um then sure but anyway that's a terrible version of it yeah oh i love it no it sounded actually really good that was really oh, good thanks. yeah i mean i like what you said about words having no meaning and i want to get to that um sonic youth changed some of the words i don't know if you like compared that to i don't know where you got your lyrics and i guess I, we, maybe we should just right off the bat just say like i got my lyrics um in in a couple places but i just i just chose the genius lyrics because i never really i don't try to go to genius when i'm doing stuff here but I went there just because I was like, we're just going to pick one. And that one to me felt the most right. And I think it's the one that most shared on the Internet. I don't know where you got yours, but I think that's also beside the point. It's like I, I you can't talk about this song lyrically, really, you know, because your lyrics could be totally different. Like Genius is very funny that all of these like notations that they have annotations are like but he could be saying this but that makes no sense but does it like every single one of them are that and it's like that's great i mean what that, what value is that though like what is that none do? none yeah. no of course it's no value but i think that that's why this song is funny because i don't think there's another bob dylan song quite like this you know he's good at emphasizing what he's saying there's not a whole lot of times maybe live but like especially on the record where you don't know what the man is saying, but here it's like, man, there's a lot of like, jumble, jumble, jumble. Uh, but Sonic Youth, they they chose, you know, based on whatever you did. I don't know if you looked at Sonic Youth or listened to it, but they tried their best to like make their own version. Like they definitely changed some of the lyrics around and they made it more n narrative. Like their song is absolutely makes more sense than the real one. I didn't compare. I, I figured that there must be they must have had actual lyrics, right? They had to remove the ambiguity ambiguity to, like, make a cohesive song. So I'm sure that it would be different than whatever the actual lyrics are. I pulled mine just from Google, which I think pulls okay. from Lyrics Find, and it's bonkers. Okay. Not only is it clearly the wrong words in the parts that you can hear definitively, but they also just added stuff. Like, the very first line starts in the middle, right, where it's like, it's all right, whatever. They put a whole thing. It says, things are crashing down. She's all too tight. I'm like, what the fuck? That's not there. Yeah, so there's two things going on, I think. One of them is that lyric could be before 2007. So this could be before we heard the crystal clear version. Mm -hmm. So it's being pulled from God knows where. And number two, Clinton Halen uh, has been a scholar in this regard, if you want to call him that, in finding scraps of paper from the man. So uh. stuff. So this is that. And we try, I try on this one because we want to keep this podcast tight. We don't go down into that rabbit hole. But there's a whole world of of Dylan scraps and pieces <laughs> of paper. And and, you know, the Bob Dylan. This is some news, but the Bob Dylan. Uh, archives, the Bob Dylan Center next to the Woody Guthrie Center in Tulsa opens next year. So we're recording in May oh, shit. of 2021 Field trip. Field trip. and it opens in May of 2022. So I think that's something to do. 
but 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 anyways, Clinton Halen is releasing a new book, a new two part by he's already written a biography, but he's writing another biography because of all of the stuff gained from the archives. And I'm sure a lot of that is him too. A lot of stuff that he's researched over the years are now going to be housed there. So again, I think Halen gets a lot of flack, but like he's definitely doing his own stuff and it's over there for other people to interpret. But I, for me, I'm like, that's too far for me. I'm, I'm, I, this song is great and people devote a lot of time and energy to it. So if you really are interested by the song, go out and search that stuff. Cause there's entire chapters of books for this song alone that you can go and talk about because it's a great, it's a great encapsulation of Dylan's style, but also of the basement tapes and, and the ethos of the basement tapes and what they were trying to do. And I think this captures everything from the sound to the pressing record to the, um, you know, just making words up and, and having fun, but also being kind of sad. It all fits. Um, Growl Marcus, who wrote a book about the basement tapes as well, called the old weird America talking about this song, which he devotes, you know, five or six pages to in the book. He says, Quote, words are floated together in a dyslexia that is music itself, a dyslexia that seems meant to prove the claims of music over words to see just how little words can do. And like I said, we're not going to talk about the lyrics because the transcriptions are bonkers, but I do want to talk about two specific things. One of them is the feel of the song, and one of them is what it means for Bob Dylan, the artist. The feel of the song. I think that the reason why the song is great maybe not top tier Mount Rushmore, but is a great song is because of the feeling of the song. You can hear Bob Dylan in this song and feel for him in particular, but also for the narrator. And I think that the 1956 that, that I grew up knowing that was part of the song that is now excised, right? You listen on Spotify. It's just called, I'm not there. The 1956 part is gone. And I think the 1956 part is essential to (laughs) understanding the song because Dylan was 15 years old in 1956, and while he's an older man writing this song, this feels like a song you would write as a teenager, right? You are you don't know how to describe the feeling that you're having for the other person. And I know a lot of this is going to sound like you're sort of putting stuff on after the fact, and I think that's totally true because he just didn't write the song, right? He didn't write the lyrics. But like, I think it really works because... It feels like a song that came from 1956. It feels like something that he wrote in his bedroom and feels more so than even the stuff that you that we, you can listen to on the on the John Buck, Buckland tapes or the Minnesota tapes. Like even those sound like he's trying to be Woody Guthrie, whereas you can imagine Bob Dylan at 15 strumming away like this in his own room, writing a weird song like this that is really nonsensical. And you're just I'm, I'll get to it one day. You know, I don't know. I think that that feeling to me is really great. And I think that him, the idea of him writing about, obviously Sarah, he's married to Sarah right now in 1967. But I mean, I feel like he, if 1956, he could be writing about everyone, right? He could be writing about Echo. He could be writing about Bonnie. He could be writing about Susie. He could be writing about everyone, you know? And I, that's why I also like this because there's a lot of pain in there. Like I'm not there, I'm gone. Like that part alone, you can at least understand. And I think that that makes it very, I don't know, you can relate to it. Looking at just the lyrics, such as they are, from whatever bullshit version you happen to be looking at, um, it you could transpose it into a 50s style. You know, I love my sweetheart, but uh, she doesn't love me back. What is it? Um, Tears on my pillow or whatever. That super high voice song, you know what I'm talking about? You yeah. know, all that Jersey Boys I kind do. of stuff. Um, you could do that. That, that would really work. You don't remember me. But I remember you It was not so long ago You broke my heart in 
But, it, but then it's like in the style of 67 Dylan, right? Like after he, he went through all of, uh, you know, Blonde on Blonde and all of this, like he's writing a long song that is complex in, in its idea, but it's trying to pass itself off as something from the 1950s. That also is interesting as well, like because you wouldn't have written that type of song in 1956. Like what he's saying in there, too might have the same like yeah because all the songs i mean love songs are love songs at the end right. of the day but like but what he's trying but yeah i don't know that that to me is cool that this this clash of time periods that he's maybe invoking and again he didn't call 1956 on the sheets at the time so it was something later that he must have said hey 1956 you know i that's what i was thinking when i wrote this song who knows why that was there but i got to believe that it's something something from his past that maybe drove him to do this if people want to look at this more musically because the lyrics are unreliable or are just kind of there uh i i don't know i my i had a very hard time getting into this song we've been listening to i've been trying to listen to it for three weeks and every time i just like rolled my eyes every time it came out I'm like this is so fucking boring this is so fucking boring and like we've listened to a lot of boring bob dylan songs i just like I don't know. I must have been in a mood these last couple of weeks or something, but I just like I could not get into it. Um, and so if you take away his voice, because his voice to me is grating, like I said, during that specific part where we go from the E minor to the F, it like he's not matching the pitch right or something. And it, so it it's jarring. So it's like I can't even cling on to the music because euphonically it doesn't sound right or good to me in that part. So it's like. But as I listened to it more, playing it helped a lot because I could just play the the guitar and I was like, oh, this this is fine. This is a fine chord change. It, you know, it works. It's in the scale. It's okay. Uh, but like listening to the song itself, yeah, it just kind of felt like a chore a little bit. But I, I came around to it in the end. And after like trying to figure out the lyrics and realizing there are none, that kind of heart, heartened me a little bit to it too. Just because I like I'm way more of a music person than a lyric person. I appreciate a good lyric. Don't right. get me wrong, but like I'm way more a music person. So being like, okay, I don't actually have to pay attention to this. It's fine that I have not been paying attention to this. Great, great. And there's and the the lyrics you do know when you hear are actually like pretty good. And they're like okay, and they're pretty memorable. Yeah. And and when I listen to the song, there's only a few times where I'm just like I I sing along because I know some of the weird dumb cadences, and I'm like yeah, this is great. And it's mainly because of Dylan doing the Dylan stuff where he can talk and and all of that. But yeah, no, I also find it interesting just to piggyback on what I was saying too before about you know the time periods too. I, I when I think about the song. In a much broader context, I do think about Girl from the North Country, Boots, Spanish Leather, like other songs mm. that are very plaintive, very aching, very sad, like sad. They have the sadness in them. But it, I find it funny that, again, if we think about him as a, as a teenager writing this song, but he's writing the song in 1967 after he's written Girl from the North Country, Boots. He already is is an artist enough to take the feel and and, and encapsulate it into a beautiful song like those two that we love so much. And then as an experiment, he's almost just like letting it all go in a song like this where he's not thinking about form. He's not thinking about taking the ideas and trying to repackage them up. This song to me, unlike Girl and Boots, it makes it unlistenable. But when you do listen, it feels like – I mean I can just feel the pain and I think the pain – maybe it's you know, rehearse pain or whatever. It's just the way that he's singing. But you can just – I don't know. That to me has always stuck out. To this song. And I think that's another reason why people love it is it's another kind of weird Dylan vibe that we don't get a lot of this like aching, like real ache. Like a lot of the ache comes from his lyrics, but not from the way that he sings and the way that he puts on. Huh. Yeah. 
I like don't read this song as sad. Maybe a little ennui, like uh, you know, he's kind of restless. Maybe a little melancholy, but like, there's this song doesn't read as genuine angst, heartache, or like real sadness to me at all for some reason. So it's interesting that so many people feel that from it, and maybe because you have to be kind of a student of Bob Dylan to like not only appreciate the hype and mystery around the song, but also to see why this is a deviation. Because for me, yeah, I like. I, I like the quality of his voice and I do understand that it is conveying something much more than the lyrics, but I, yeah, I just definitely, I don't feel this like this is not this in the same league as like boots of Spanish leather for me, even a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I also thought about when listening to this, that it's, I mean, really the ultimate park bench song because it literally has no meaning in, in a lot of its way, you know, and, and, and we don't really, there's not really a story here. Usually I'll ask you if there's a story. I mean, I don't know if you thought there was one, oh, or no, what's going God, no. on. Right. But but I think, again, that lets your imagination roam, too, because it's like, are they dead? Is our narrator a serial killer? Like, we have so many fun <laughs> Bob Dylans out there in the world that I think you could glom on. You could make this a fucking, you know, Seven Curses Expanded Universe song if you wanted to go crazy. And you could just all of the jumble is just talking about Conestoga wagons. Right. I mean, you could this song could be about wagons and <laughs> I'm not there because I missed my wagon. And it, we're boom. Oh, we're in Seven Curses. You know, that's what I mean. I And that's why I think the song is kind of cool, because it is it is just is a cool basement tape sound. And I think when you're listening to the basement tapes, I think that it's one that's going to stick out and resonate, especially with all of the silly songs that he has. This one doesn't feel silly. The lyrics are nonsensical, but they don't feel silly. You're not mm-hmm. laughing. I think that this song is sad because of the, the, the lines that we get to hear. I'm not there. I'm gone. Sad. That's yeah. sad. Right. And, and and the whole time he's like, you know, I would be better. She would be better if I was here. I'd be, I would be better if I was here, but I'm not there. I'm gone. A quote from Randall Poster, one of the music supervisors of the movie, um, about this song. He talked about that idea of young love. I mean, I think we could all probably agree if he's writing in the 1956 means anything, then he's writing about teenage love, right? He's thinking about what it is to feel something like that. And Randall Poster, he, he had a great quote about this. He said, quote, to me, it's about the kinetic feeling, talking about the song. It's about the kinetic feeling, a song that brings me into the realm of another song that we have not talked about yet called Positively Fourth Street. As a kid, the first time I heard the song, it taught me that there was something that goes on between a man and a woman that I had not experienced yet, but that I was so hungry to experience. I sort of get the same feelings when I listen to I'm Not There. In a sense, it speaks to the potential intimacy between people. It clearly exists in some sort of divine realm. Isn't that potential energy, not kinetic energy? Potential energy is like what something could be. Kinetic energy is the act of motion. Just saying. Well, maybe this, maybe it is the act of motion. The kinetic feeling of the song. The act of making the song. I mean, even just strumming along. Maybe yeah. that's what he's getting at. Who knows? Yeah. The only other thing that I could say definitively is another reason why I kind of like agree with... I don't know about the masterpiece label, but like, I think this song is incredibly important. And I think this one is purely historical. I think that this is an amazing insight into one of the greatest artists of the 20th century, if not all time. And even if you don't think that he's a philosopher king god, he is an incredible musician. He's an incredible writer. And there are so few instances where we get to listen to somebody putting their ideas out into the world. In it in a raw, crazy form. Now, I think that it doesn't bite as hard in 2021 because we've listened to the cutting edge in full. We get to listen to things that were never heard before, that were bootlegged, that were always a, a, a pure joy to listen to for the same reason this song is a joy to listen to, because you get an insight into the creative process of your favorite artists. Now we can listen to the entirety of Bob Dylan creating three of the greatest records of all time 
in an afternoon, a long afternoon, but you can listen to the entire thing. Back in the day, and even when I was a kid listening to the song, I always was brought up to know that the song was important because you got to listen to Bob workshop a song, basically. You got to listen to him putting ideas out there, and in theory, this is how he does all of his songs. You could then go back and rewrite what's going on. He's creating the cadences. He's creating the parts where he wants to have a cool rhyme structure, and as a writer, he's going to go back and write more. And then when he needs to publish or he needs to record, he's going to do that. And I think that I like this because it pokes a hole in the idea that he just comes up with stuff off the top of his head and he's a genius and he just does it without any putting in any work. And I think something like this proves that it's incredibly hard to write songs. But I think you need to be a Bob Dylan fan for that to matter, you know? Yeah. We talk a lot, too, about like Bob Dylan's trash being other people's career defining songs. I don't know if I would go so far with this one, but I could imagine if I had Garth Hudson playing that music and I had a template like Bob Dylan laid out for me, I would work my fucking ass off to work on a song like this, to put the right lyrics to this kind of feeling and this kind of emotion. And that's something that Bob Dylan uniquely can just cast off and never, ever think about ever again this song that I think for a lot of people, obviously, I've been thinking about for decades. He does have a, a unique ability to to not care. And I don't mean that in like a yeah. derogatory way. I just he doesn't seem to be precious about stuff, which is like, sure. I think some people would see that as callous or cold or, or uncaring. But for me, it's like sometimes you got to make a call and, and art, especially because all art is subjective it's like great that mattered a lot to you but to me it was something i just said that one time and it's like because so many people have put their feelings and their thoughts into it they assume that that bob or whomever the creator must have as well it must also be this earth shattering thing for them it must also be this momental monumental thing that they strived and struggled to to achieve but it's like i just did that i don't know it's it's the whole idea of celebrity and like the whole thing of like they're just a person. I always have to remind myself, these are just people. These are just things. They're and just so, there. Like with yeah. a monolith like Bob Dylan, I'm sure it's very easy to cast all that around it. But I think it's cool that he can just – frustrating and cool that he doesn't care a lot of the time. <laughs> yes. I mean I, I would totally agree. And I, and I think that being too cute about it too and pre- pretending that this is like – Lyrically, a masterpiece, I think, is is one of those silly type of things that I think some Bob Dylan fans will definitely fall down over themselves to pretend that this is something more than it is. Like, it has some great lines. I mean, don't get me wrong, um, but that's what it is. It's a, it's a collection of a couple of good lines and around a story that he was thinking about, but then he moved right on because he had a lot of ideas overflowing at that at that point. Um, the only other thing that I could think is at the very end. I mean, a lot of people really enjoy... Uh, you know, just the I'm not there, I'm gone. That refrain is always pretty visible. You can definitely hear it in all of the versions. And that, I think, has been the one sticking point everywhere. Uh, Grau Marcus, again, in The Old Weird America, he said, quote, In the last lines of the song, the most plainly sung, the most painful, so bereft that after the song's five minutes, the five minutes that seem like no measurable time, you no longer believe that anything so strong can be said in words. I think you would take umbrage with that. I'm sure you felt every five minutes oh, yeah. of the five minutes of this song. So, and again, I think in the in the frame of mind where you're listening to the basement tapes constantly, I think you have the. I think the song is great because you have the ability to get lost maybe in the song, and it won't feel like that. But it is weird to listen to it the way that we listen to it, where we're listening to it one song at a time, 
And I will be honest too and say that I felt every five minutes of this song. And I enjoyed our playlist this week and I was excited to continue the playlist. Yes. And I didn't mind starting back over with, with this, but I, I wanted to get to the next. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's kind of the thing. Music is music. You have lots of music out there. And if I'm in the mood for basement tapes, like baby, you better believe I'm going to play the hell out of this. But if you're not in that or, or you're doing a playlist or you're just kind of messing around, this is a tough one to put on guys. Come on. But I do love the ending and I enjoy it. I got a lot of, uh, you know, Long Black Veil, that song where he sings like, no, and nobody knows but me at the very end. Very haunting. I mean, I agree with the haunting and I do get Haunted Mansion vibes. That's <laughs> another reason I like this song. It definitely has a quality, man. Like when you listen to all those recordings, it's just there is something about recording in that specific space and just the way everything sounds and and not being able to really like mix stuff and just you get what you get. It, I mean, it's, it definitely has a vibe, but I think that in this case, the the vibe was a problem for me because I had to be in the right frame of mind to kind of enjoy it. And I just like, yeah, I was just like, okay, next, please. Thank you. Goodbye. No, that's fair. That's fair. So Kelly, does this song in 2021 work out? Does this work for you? I don't know, man. Uh, like, so the the closest uh, chronologically example cover we have of this, I'm sure other people have covered it. That's not true. But like, so we have, uh, I can never remember the name. Kim Gordon's band. What is it called? Sonic Youth. Yeah, yes, yes. So that we have that version. Even that version to me feels like it's from the 80s. It feels like it should be on a Violent Femme record. Like it, yeah. it feels dated even in its updated form. Um, but you know, you can achieve any sound you want. So like music now more than ever can be timeless in the sense that you can recreate the sound of a, a 54, whatever tube amp that is, you know, broken in just the right way or whatever. Um, so I don't know. I no. I guess only because I don't like it, but that doesn't seem like a legitimate answer to this. The question, does it work with somebody else? No. Yeah. No. Would anybody else, if you showed this to a random person uh-huh, on the street, uh-huh, somebody uh-huh. our age or younger, it uh-huh. were like, do you enjoy this? They would be like, no, uh-huh. <laughs> I do not. I mean, I, you know, I want to sort of piggyback on that. I will say, I don't, I'm not going to go against the grain here to say that as a fan of lyrics and as a fan of Bob Dylan, clearly we're doing this podcast. I'm the Bob Dylan guy here. In this room, we're not in Indeed. a room. I'm in a barn. Um, <laughs> I, it's gorgeous. I mean, I, I do, I do understand why people love it. I understand why people think it's beautiful. I understand why they think it's haunting. I love the, the 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 what he's what he's playing with here. I love it as a historical piece. It's invaluable. I think it's one of those invaluable pieces that you have to have. Does it work today? Mumblecore is a thing. Slowcore is a thing. Emo is a thing. Um, I've grooved to things that have made less sense than I'm not there, but, but, you know, there are different genres of music. So I think giving this to somebody, there is a chance, Kelly, that they could be like, this is great. And that I love this, but I think without the context, this song is not really going to work. As I said, 1956, that part to me feels so important because I think that a a random listener could look at that and see the 56 and either one of two things, they're going to think it's a cover. Of some kind, so their minds will allow that to be a reality. Or number two, they'll see that date, and for them, fifty six, sixty seven, those are ancient history, regardless. So I'm listening to to a song from another world. I think the song is invaluable, but immediately misunderstood if it doesn't have the right context. Um, but then again, that's how it good. That's a good Bob Dylan song to me. So even if you have a little bit of like, oh, I hate this song so much, at least you're thinking about it. At least it did something to you. I mean, we've said that before, too. It's like uh, you, uh, one of your rankings at the end of the year is how angry does this make you? And, you know, 
Maybe a little bit of anger sometimes is good because you know what? We'll never forget. Trust yourself. You'll never forget. Maybe someday you'll never forget uh, Baby Stop Crying. Like those songs will will live on purely yep. out of anger. And then you'll love the gray ones like Boots and, and Girl because they're beautiful. Dink song because it's beautiful. Right? Way to really, really be down the middle with that one. <laughs> Was it hard I, to ride I, the I, fence that way? <laughs> It's. I struggle with this one because I, I wanted to feel like I didn't like it. And then I listened to it and I was like, yeah, this is really it's important. It's just a good, important Bob Dylan song. And as somebody like going down the roads, like if you haven't listened to this or haven't given the basement tapes time, you know, I, I never think about that, too, with you and I is that we could have young people listening to this, this podcast that are like barely baby Bob Dylan fans. You never know how people come to this stuff. And we could be one of those people right now that are like pushing them and i would say go listen to it go down the rabbit hole and start thinking about bob dylan in a, in a deeper sense and listen to the basement tapes in full and you know you've already listened to some of the songs that we've talked about just jump in you know and i needed that push when i was younger i don't know exactly how i got it or why but i did i don't know if it was a book or it was a message board or it was a blog or whatever back in the day but shit kelly you and i could be the person now and you could be pumping the brakes be like, I'm here against my will. Don't listen to Bob Dylan. <laughs> Bob Dylan's not good. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I think I think I, th- I pump the brakes when I need to. I think I make it clear that I have pulled the emergency brakes. So th- as the dichotomy of this show, does it work? I say yes, you'll say no, and you make up your mind. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. you do whatever feels right to you. Yes, I believe that it's rightful. Oh, I believe it in my mind. I've been told like I said when I before carry on the grind and she's on with the told her like I said carry on I wish I was there to help her but I'm not there I'm gone Kelly we are a real podcast yeah you just talked about it we are Bob Dylan influencers we are, that's right. Potentially. We are influencers. I mean, we could be much more of an influence if we really were a little bit better than intermediate on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, I think the last time I told somebody was a couple of couple of episodes ago that we're a real podcast. So uh, I'm speaking it into the void. I'm hoping people will listen. Just remember what you listen to right here, friends, was a podcast. And and if you did want to talk to us intermittently on those platforms at SOTW pod everywhere. You definitely can. And we have a website, SOTWpod.com, and a Patreon where you can give us a dollar. And if you give us a dollar or more, you'll sponsor a show. You know, the next show we do, it'll be brought to you by you, and it'll be brought to you by you forever. That's right. You don't get to pick what the song for is. Better worse. So, for better or worse. For better or worse. And no guarantees on any of that kind of stuff. But something that is free that you can listen to every single week is our public playlist. You can find it live as we do episodes. Uh, so if you're listening to this a couple months later, it's going to be out of order. But you can listen to that at See That My Playlist Is Kept Clean on Spotify. Or you can go to sotwpod.com and go to the show notes for every episode. And there's a unique playlist for every single episode as well as season links for every song that we play for each season and we're coming to the midpoint of season five kelly insanely our fifth year in progress as we speak but we've made now 129 playlists kelly and this playlist i think was pretty damn good i I think we've recovered from last week's ain't talking yeah 
And this was a great uh, mixture of a lot of people that we love and a lot of mm -hmm. new faces. And I think that always makes a really, really good playlist. So welcome back to our playlist world. Mount Kimby for the third time. You look certain. I'm not so sure. Fantastic. Uh, next song after I'm not there. Courtney Barnett. I'm not your mother. I'm not your bitch. Uh, fantastic. Cloud Nothings. I'm not part of me. Excellent. The Beths. I'm not getting excited. Oh, man. So good. I know you, you've recommended them multiple times and I just like. Why have I never listened to this band? Every time this song came out, I was like, this song is fucking excellent. This song is fucking excellent. Uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, Richmond, Virginia. Strike Anywhere, I'm Your Opposite Number. This is not Tim Barry's band, though, right? What was Tim Barry's band? No, that's not Tim. That's A Veil. A Veil, yeah. This is great. Strike Anywhere is great. And they're from they're from uh, Richmond. All of them from Richmond. Spanish Love Songs for the second time uh, from their first record. Excellent. Fresh. Brand new Fresh over there. That's going to be uh, spoiler alert. Uh, one of my recommendations. They just released a new EP. That's fantastic. <laughs> Sleepy John Estes for the second time. Uh, the Zombies for the fourth time, and Ja Rule for the fourth time with Ashanti for the first time. Oh, really? Always on time. Yeah. Really, four times. <laughs> Insane. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Uh, so always on time. We gotta love it. Welcome to the playlist for the very first time. Uh, new bands. New bands. Hail the Sun. Excellent. I really enjoyed that. Do you um, know them? No, I've never heard them. But I've, I've put, their, put their discography on my to listen at some point world. Yeah, so. me too. Uh, there, there, there. The song is there, there, there. Therapy. Fantastic. Uh, put that on there too. I have not listened to the record, but I like them a lot. Well, they, really I guess they came and went. Uh, they're from Philadelphia, I think. Yeah, they only have the one EP and then another little single thing. And I was like, that's too bad because I really like that too. It was like a weird math fun thing. Kind of reminded me of like, um, let's just move on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not thinking of who these sound like uh sonic youth of course for the first time uh nikki for the first time which was uh, excellent my brightest diamond for the first time as well uh i saw her with sufjan stevens way back in the day 10 years ago really now. my god yeah she opened for she him reminded me of the summer of 2014 bands that i was listening to all the time which uh again i can't remember the name of anything but i always want to say placebo it's not placebo but it's a band that sounds like placebo it starts with a p it's like Diamonds. Diamonds is one of the name of the song. I got a mouth full of diamonds. I got a something, something. What is it? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Now I have to. Ooh, know. ooh, ooh. Uh, oh, God. All of them. <laughs> all of those people. <laughs> That's how it goes. Fant, Fant, Phantom, Phantogram. 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 Great job. Oh, thank Great God. Great job. We I got like... there. I knew it was a P, but it's not a real P. It's the F sounding P, Fantagram. Anyway, she reminds me, like, not exactly, not a one to one, but like it has like a LaRue, Fantagram, all kinds of, anyway. Great. My Brightest Diamond. There you go. My Brightest Diamond. Uh, Lucas Graham, You're Not There. Probably the like most mainstream pop song we've ever had on. Man, did I not like that song? No. And I kept it on there <laughs> really just for torture. Uh, Nehi and, and, and Jamila Woods, Oh My God, The Times I'm Not There. Absolutely fire. Put that record yeah. on to listen to. So good. Shania Twain, If You're Not in it for love i'm out of here first shania twain shocker um i love shania why not so that was fantastic and 10 cc i'm not in love was a great sort of bridge another couple great bridges in between different genres for us on this playlist so loved it this playlist was fucking fire and i, I very good i say go listen to it um you can just you can also search uh sotw 129 for the whatever number you want you can find all our playlists too so you guys are smart you can figure this one out Kelly, we were also people in the world this week, two week, three week, whatever it's been. What have you been doing out there that you think people who listen to this should also be doing? Okay, so so I'm going to try to 
trying to be fast here. Uh, that Dame Michael Che, uh, Michael Che just came out with like a sketch comedy show. It's very HBO, much right? like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's on HBO. It's it's like um, Inside Amy Schumer or um, I I didn't watch a lot of Key and Peele, so I don't know how they break up the segments. Uh, or Chappelle show. Chappelle show was always like he's filming in front of a live studio audience and then cutting to his skits. That was kind of like the format for sketch comedy shows. Like Mr. Show did that. Um, this is a lot more integrated. It'll cut to um, like really high quality interview style with Michael Che, just like 30 seconds of an interview yeah. with him and then go into the skit. But sometimes the skits are interconnected. Well, like it'll zoom into the TV and then the TV will become the next skit. Um, so it, it's it's more integrated. It's, it flows a lot better. But yeah, so far so good. I'm in like the fourth episode. He's got that HBO money. So definitely. Uh we watched the documentary on Netflix, Made You Look, which is about art forgery. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Hope- Really hoping they would go more into the existential question of, like, art is subjective. Why is this worth anything to begin with? Who cares if it's a forgery? But they didn't really do that because it's like, at the end of the day, it's fraud, right? And that's the problem. But um, I do want to watch, and that'll be the next documentary watch for sure. Um, My Kid Could Paint That from, like, 2007. Everybody's pretty much familiar with that, where it's like, this guy's like, abstract expressionism is all just fucking paint splotches on a canvas. My Kid Could Paint That, right? So he goes on to sell, supposedly, his child's you know finger paintings for lack of a better word and and people buy it for thousands of dollars or whatever it really and that's what that does it calls into question the idea of value when it comes to subjective art did Um, you watch murder of the mormons murder among the mormons or whatever no but stacia did and she said that was a lot like that That was a huge element of that i i mean i'd never heard of any of that and yeah he was forging mormon documents and like that's an art form in and of itself (laughs) i mean what he was able to do to fool everyone you have to be smart as hell to, to pull that shit off Oh, yeah. And like that, that is even more intense, right? Because it's like art is what it is, right? It's like you buy a painting hanging on your wall and that's the end of it. But but like to call into question theocracy itself and to like what people hardcore believe, like that's intense, man. I did not watch that, but I I want to on the face of it just for that. But then there's another documentary called Sour Grapes, which is also kind of the same concept where people are are faking wine either by putting labels on it that aren't aren't the right labels or by making these blends of wine that aren't the real wine or whatever. So we're going to watch that one, too. But anyway, all the same kind of concept. Uh, I've been rewatching and new watching Archer. Um, I kind of just have it on in the background, so I'm not 100 percent paying attention, but I've gotten into definitely new material that i've not seen before um so at the end of season like five or six archer goes into a coma and so they start doing uh like concept seasons right so like while he's in the coma he has a dreamland season where it takes place in like the 50s i think so he's like a pi in the 50s doing stuff and lana's like a singer and then like all this cool stuff and then the one that's right now is like set in the 30s i think and it's like um stylized like a, a polynesian whatever like there's definitely like a genre of movies and stuff that okay. we did in america where it was like yeah. island of danger skull island return that kind of thing so it's sure, that sure. It was all very very fun archer still great r.i.p uh, jessica waters or whatever walters so, i know walters yeah so she's gone so i wonder what's going to happen there yeah i don't know if it's still going but there are 12 seasons so i'm assuming oh my it's god maybe still kelly going. Yeah. fell off in like season four i love the show it's fantastic i, I did not know it was still going on it's amazing still, yeah wow. but yeah definitely jessica walters it's a it's a huge bummer. yeah r.i.p um, r.i.p finally finished people just do nothing man i don't know how i feel mm. about that show it's great you should watch it absolutely but like it reminds me much more of the office versus parks and rec that's the best way i can describe it because Parks and Rec is funny and it's almost always funny and they're never making fun of Leslie. Not really because Leslie's a real person. She's a real, uh, you know, civil servant that's trying to get her job done. Whereas Michael Scott is a joke. 
and he will always be a joke and he's never not a joke and grinda is definitely that he is a joke he will never not be a joke that is what he is so it makes it not as funny in the sense that it's sad like it's sad that all these people are following this guy around because he's an idiot like he's such an idiot so but it really really good just like i was not expecting to to feel kind of (laughs) sad and that's how i came away from it um I started listening to Coheed and Cambria again. I just, I don't know what happened. I saw happened. you listen to that. But yeah, I just yeah. listened to all the records. I, uh, I only got to The Afterman, just the beginning of The Afterman. But um, everything's great. I still think that Good Apollo on Burning Star 4 is probably the best one. Uh, just because all the hits are on there, you know. They're like, the good eyes, sniper. That one, you know, can't go wrong. And Welcome Home. Slater Kidding came out with a new song, Worry With You. Good. It's good. Gotta say, it's good. Makes me feel like old Slater Kidding. It's good. Uh... Health, which I'm not a big fan of, the band Health. Health, uh, Kendra, oh, it's one of her favorite bands. Um, oh right, right. They're like oh, a yeah. post-industrial, electronic sure. type of band, um, but they just came up with a song with Nine Inch Nails, and it's pretty good. Oh, um, though I'm good. not a fan of Health, I it, I really just like it more for the fact that Trent Reznor and I guess Atticus Ross. The dude's in his 50s, early 50s, and he's still, like, trying to be relevant and work with younger artists, and, and I think he's so yeah. successful in it because he just he loves music, and he's a great composer and a really smart dude. So to be able to influence their music, I think, in a much more positive way because their music is not for me, to make it sound even cooler, maintain his sound, but also incorporate them. Very neat. So that song is called Isn't Everyone. Uh, and then, finally, the the last piece of my second installment of music i listened to when i was a child yes uh so this is the the, the second or the, the next eight albums these are like the longmont years when i first moved to colorado right, right. so the last two albums <laughs> um <laughs> were uh becoming x from the sneaker pimps which is their third right. album uh it's still amazing however i will say and i noticed this the last time i went to go listen to this album before this most recent time they changed the album art and i was like huh that's weird because it used to look like a green circuit board it was like a cool little diagram of a circuit okay. um and it just said sneaker pimps on it becoming x and then it was a picture of the two dudes in the band and then the, the woman who was only on this record in the front of them right and then i was like huh. yeah yeah that's the one i've always seen yeah no that's not no it's yeah. supposed to be the circuit board one i was like huh that's a little weird um uh, and then so i went to go listen to it and i was like what the fuck they changed two of the songs they didn't say that they're edit so becoming x got remixed in 19 so becoming x is from 1997 i'm pretty sure and then it was remixed in 98 um two of the songs spin spin sugar and uh postmodern sleaze which is probably my favorite song on the album they they were part of the mixed album and two of those mixes got put on becoming x this version on spotify and the original versions don't exist. They don't say they're the remixed version. They don't say that, they, but they're not the right original mix. And I was like, this is absolute bullshit. The mixes are fine, but they're not the original one. So for me, you can't say that's becoming X because it's fucking not. It's a weird reissue with the remix tracks. And I'm so fucking mad about it. It really ruined my nostalgia moment. But uh, the album's still good, but it's bullshit. Anyway, and then I listened to Abandoned Pulls, Humanistic, uh, which came out in 2001. It's very, very silly. Very, very silly. But Sunny Day is a pretty good song. It's probably the best song on the album. So we'll say that. And also, I'd be curious. Do you, have you ever heard of the Eels? Or Eels? The Eagles? Eels. Oh, the Eels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It might not be the Eels. It might just be Eels. But yeah, so their first album, 
uh, Beautiful Freak in 1996 was really like praised by they're like an indie darling. They were a really, really big band. The guy who's in Abandoned Pools, who essentially is band Abandoned Pools, a la Trent Reznor, his name is Thomas uh, Walter, Tommy Walter. He was in Eels. He made the album with the main dude that I didn't even write down because he's the thing. And he left the band right after their big, they got signed to an album, they or signed to a record label and everything. And he just left the band after Beautiful Freak and then made Abandoned Pools. But that guy, Eels, still exists and he's only become more popular and, and all that stuff. And it's just funny that I had no idea that this, this dude, Tommy Walter, was in that band, so... But yeah, I mean, I would say Abandoned Pools, you kind of have to be 14. I don't know that there's a lot of value as an adult. I, I like, I was really struggling. I was trying to be objective. I was like, if this weren't so nostalgic and you didn't have instant connections of being, you know, 13 when you were listening to it, is this any good? And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't really think so. That's how a lot of this is, man. It's it's tough. Yeah. But anyway. I mean, but that's what good. your project, that's what the Longmont series is about. It's about confronting those <laughs> stereotypes that we have of ourselves and you know, challenging. Do we really like this stuff still? Yeah. I mean, Becoming X was so big for me and will always, like, not only nostalgically matter, but I think it's just, like, musically still really great because it was the first time I'd ever heard a trip-hop band. Like, if it weren't for listening to that record, I would never have listened to, like, DJ Shadow or gotten into Portishead or gotten into any of those huge trip-hop bands. Like, they were the gateway to that for sure. And it's just, like, the first time I ever heard music like that and it's just, like, not only nostalgically hugely impactful, but I just think musically they, they did a, big, a a great, great thing. And there's a reason why their first two albums no one listens to. And the one after the, the woman left the band that, that I shouldn't just call her the woman. I should look up her fucking name. But uh, yeah, the first two are trash and then the one after it's trash. So Bloodsport and yeah. whatever. I mean, they're fine. Hiding inside a crowd. My head is inside. There's my long and winding recommendations. Daniel, what about you? What have you been doing for the last three weeks? I drove back to the barn to Sioux Falls from, from uh, f- what did I call it? The Battle of First Manassas? Virginia? I don't know. First Virginia? First oh, Manassas? yeah. I don't remember what you call it. First Man- no, we didn't call it First Manassas. Bull Run. We came back from Bull Run. Right. That's what the Bull Union Run. would call it. I don't know why I'm calling it what the Confederates called it. No, thank you. Uh, we drove back from Virginia back to the barn in South Dakota. Um, I thought I would give grandma a break. We listened to my fifties playlist. We listened to Spotify's country road trip and the history of country music. And it was adorable. Grandma singing along. She knew all the songs, Listened to a ton of new records, uh, fresh. Uh, we love fresh on this, on this uh, podcast and the summer I got good at guitar is a new EP by them that just came out two weeks ago. Well, it came out in May of 2021 whenever you listen to this uh ice age another <laughs> band that i love came out with a new record called seek Se- seek shelter fantastic sufyan released a new record right 49 instrumental tracks uh he lost his uh did you listen father so this is another meditation i did i listened to everyone as it came out uh together so the whole thing together is called convocations it includes meditations lamentations revelations celebrations and incantations those are the five um, but Convocations, 49 songs total. Why it's not 50, I will never know. 10 songs on each except for the last. That's nine. So th- maybe that's life, though. That That's life. That's how life be. 
sometimes. You can't get that number. I don't know. Anyways, um, I, you would probably like it. Yeah, I, I heard uh, it, it came up on my release radar. So I listened to like two of the tracks, but I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. There will be a time where I'm like, oh, I want to... Because it, it's totally ghosts, right? It's like absolutely Trent, like, equivalent one-to-one. But I mean, it's the Trent Reznor version of... of, of Sufjan's new project, right? Like, because Trent Reznor does Trent Reznor and Sufjan will do Sufjan. You know what I mean? But, like, I there will be a day, absolutely, because it's something I'd be into where I'll be like, oh, I want to listen to my nice, it's ambient time, and I'll throw this on instead. But not, it did not happen this week. It did not happen, no, and I think that that's probably wise. Uh, Manchester Orchestra, uh, The Million Masks of God is the name of the record. Uh, oh. Not as good as their last one, which I forget the name of, but it is excellent. Really, really good. Don Richards, who I've recommended now, she's released three albums in the time of our of our podcast she released a new record called second line very new in new orleans influenced and there's a lot of fantastic shit she is just really good at what she does and i don't often listen to that style of music but fuck it's good. i've been listening to the singles that have come out um and I, and then i listen to her whole discography again yeah it's it's really good she's doing i think she's doing a service to hip-hop because i think she's one of those artists that is probably opening people up um that maybe listen to a certain style of hip-hop um totally broadening them a little bit where it's like the people that wouldn't ever listen to Frank Ocean for whatever reason, like she can maybe sure. be that gateway to like from like straight hardcore trap music to a more conceptual artist, yeah. which is very cool. And she's bridged so many different genres as well. And it's fantastic. And she she does great work and we love her. St. Vincent as well released a new record that just came out as we record called Daddy's Home. The final thing I want to rep, it's going on as you're listening to this episode. Are you ready for some porno day? Season six starts. Oh, shit. When is it? Right here. Well, it's going to start. You've already started listening to it. I think it's like May 24th or something like that. So it's a little bit before as we record this, but it is out now. And God, I have not been more prepared for Porno Day. I remember, again, we bought tickets a billion years ago in some other world. 2019, we purchased these tickets. We never got to see them. COVID, you son of a bitch. And then I remember they announced the new season, and this was like a year ago. And it's like, I'll never see May 2021, especially in the depths of 2020. And now, here it is. We're already here. So, you hit me one time. Imagine my surprise. When you hit me two times, you got yourself a fight. I was a bad scene. You were coming the cheap seat. Thinking that my little scratch was like your big victory. See, but I'll take you Soon we'll all be dead. <laughs> Kelly, before we do that, we need to listen to another episode of Bob Dylan. Before we need another we do song. That, before we die. God. Before we die, we have 364 songs left with I'm Not There taken off the board. We've been picking with words this time, Kelly. Right. So if you want to pick some words for me, we oh, can yeah. uh, get next, get our next episode. You know, I forgot that i had access to the the master sotw pod spreadsheet and i i was digging in my drive for something else recently and i saw it and i was like oh my god if i just delete it i know i mean i could i should have done some sabotage i didn't even think to sabotage i fucking should have uh but yeah i i was just i know you say it at the end of every episode but i always forget and then it was like oh my god there's 360 songs on yeah you just need to go in there and scroll through at some point and just see <laughs> oh, we're never gonna finish 
Okay. No, I don't think we're I don't think we're designed to finish, Kelly. So that's Kelly. We I need you to pick five words that right. we're going to look. Okay, up. I have them. Okay, what is I'll the first? I'll be shocked word? if this is in a song. Oh, maybe not shocked, but it would be interesting. Overview. No overview. Uh, this one's probably going to be too many. Great. <laughs> As in, great. like that's great, not like too great Ooh. something. Oh, it's a great. Oh, that would be interesting. Uh, great gives us yeah. 26. Uh, workshop. Let's see. I doubt that this will be a word. But you never know. Bob Dylan has a workshop. He's an I know, iron and then worker. he makes whiskey. But in About his iron working. And he makes whiskey as well. Well, and you can actually, uh, I didn't mention, I sort of mentioned that the Bob Dylan Museum is opening, but they also, you can be a founding member for $7,500. You get, but you get so much stuff. You get lifetime pass to the museum, lifetime pass to the Woody Guthrie Museum, um, just everything, concerts, swag, a, a commemorative whiskey, oh, cool. a commemorative like Limited only edition. for people of of Heaven's, uh, not Heaven's Gate, door. but Heaven's uh, door. Uh, I was like, shit, dude, I've got seventy dollars. No! no, no, I didn't do it. But I'm like, two years ago, I would have absolutely, I, I would have probably done it. I mean, I get it. Why not? That would have been uh, kind of yeah. crazy. That would have definitely been the biggest like one-time purchase ever. I wonder if you can pay it in installments. That would be, that would cool. be cool. Shit, I would do that if I paid in installments, <laughs> but I doubt that's what they want. All right, what's the next word? No workshop. Favor. Favor. It's a one-time favor. I ask you, allow me just one more chance. Yep. Sorry. That is definitely an option. So favor has three. I just gotcha. sang it. Uh, uh, favor, three. All right. So then what's the next one? Suit. Suit. Okay. Like a... And a suit, 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 suit. Okay. Okay, there's 14 suits. All right, so we're just going to take one from the three that we got, and I'm just going to read you a lyric for suit, a lyric for favor, and a lyric for great. One song from suits. I'm going to randomly pick it. I've put my hand up to the screen, and I'm just closing my eyes. <laughs> okay, and then the word suit. Uh, If none but Jack the Sailor would ever suit your mind Ooh, a different version of suit so not like a physical suit but suit your mind got that captain jack will get you high tonight and then favor one time favor no, i ask what, of you what song i can't is that? tell you that because that's an option so one time oh, favor I, I ask of you song title and then one for great yeah. so if something about jack the sailor we've got a one time favor i ask of you and then i'm going to pick a random great this drive me nuts I almost want to pick the favor one just because I need this to be alleviated. Because I'm not even convinced the song I have in my head is the Bob Dylan song we've listened to and that I've just like made this up. Well, well, that's fair. I mean, it seems like we know where we're going, but for great, I'm going to say <clears throat> he's a great humanitarian. He's a great philanthropist. That's double great. That's two greats. So we have two greats for he's a great humanitarian philanthropist. One time favor I ask of you, song title, and uh, if it suits your fancy or whatever about jack the sailor those are our, this is pretty bleak but what here's our options kelly if i don't pick the favor one will you tell me what the song is y i will well will i you know i will forget you know i will forget sure but i feel like you should just pick it then no i don't want to pick it i want to pick the captain jack Why not? High tonight one you want the jack one okay uh okay that's fine i can do that so you missed out on Man of Peace on Infidels, which uh, is not a big loss. 
but that would have been our fifth infidel song. Huh. Uh, one time favor I ask of you, allow me just a one more chance. Right. It's a one time favor I ask of you, allow me just a one more chance. Do nope, do, do, different do, song, do, different do, song. Do. I'm thinking of a completely yep. different song. Okay, great. Anyways, you picked you picked Jack, which uh, the song is actually from. It is the song is called Jack Jack a Row, and it is a cover. It is from 1993's World Gone Wrong. Okay. So we have Bob Dylan with an acoustic guitar singing about Jack the Sailor. We're going to get into this. So more than likely, obviously, this is a cover. So we're going to do a lot of different uh, covers of this song. So Kelly, strap in for a, for a standard cover fest where we go deep on all of these. So episode 130 is going to be Jack O'Row from 1993's World Gone Wrong. Kelly, not a bad pick, I got to say. It's one time favor. And see that my gap grave is kept clean is one kind favor, I'll ask of you. One kind That's favor. That's happening. right. That. And that is also what's happening in this song, and we will talk about that as well, but not today. We'll talk about it some other world. Okay, Kelly, that's enough for this podcast. Goodbye. Oh, wow. Wow. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Oh, jeez. Wow. Callback. We're old. We're Call old. Back. I know. Although they brought that show back with Jane Lynch. Did you know that? I know. I did, and I watched it, and I was very sad. Watching. Well, I'm sure it's already been canceled. It can't What are we talking about? Just allow me one more chance to ride your airplane. Honey, just allow me one more chance to ride your passenger train. I've been looking all over for a girl like you. I can't find no better.